Hi, this is Susie Quattro, and you are listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. Pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, and uh, 40 other podcast platforms, approximately. Um, this is episode 196. We're calling this Slow Songs. Um, that can be a little misleading because pretty bizarre. Uh, Well, maybe it's not that bizarre, but out there, the definition of slow songs seems to be ballads, right? Uh, You see, uh, you know, in doing research for this episode, you look up the, you know, the idea of slow songs. First of all, it's not very Googleable, but when you do find stuff, you tend to fall into power ballads or ballads by classic rock or heavy bands uh, kind of thing. But we're really talking about beats per minute, slowness uh, here, and uh, and generally heaviness, I suppose. Uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, that kind of is our oeuvre here, mostly speaking. Um, but we're going to look at some other dimensions of the idea of slow as well. But just to go back to that ballad thing. So basically, uh, you know, slow ballads tend to be slow anyways. Uh, you know, slow and being a ballad go good together. But it's funny. If you add a little bit of a drum beat to a ballad, it just becomes a pop song, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, it becomes a pop song or you could call it an up-tempo ballad possibly, right? You know, I think a band's... Uh, like The Church, for example, a great, great Australian band. Love those guys. Um, but yeah, they have some uh, some uh, basically pop songs that if you slowed down that drum beat or changed the BPM or took out the drum beat, we're going to talk about that a little bit, uh, it essentially becomes... Um, a slow song, I suppose, right? Or a ballad, right? Um, you know, another thing I noticed is uh, is uh, slowness in terms of ballads or heavy songs with slowness, you often get them in 3-4 time, which is kind of interesting. So waltz time, 3-4 time, you know, 1-2-3, 1-2-3, 1-2-3, 3 rather than 4-4 four, four time, which is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, let's, uh, let's explore the different definitions of this and why these bands do this. Let's start with, um, this actually isn't the first uh, song that came to mind that's going to come a little later in the episode but this is the second song that came to mind and i think it's the um it's the uh, the standard bearer for this idea. This category, loosely speaking, is the the true history in five songs, history of slow songs, right? Um, so yeah, this is kind of the early stuff. But take a listen to this. This is Black Sabbath with Black Sabbath. All right, so first song, uh, it's the title track of the band, it's the title track of the album, it's the first heavy metal song of all time in certain ways, right? You know, we got a lot of episodes about that, we won't get into that. Um, but the the crazy thing here is that, uh, this. so this is a band 
daring to do something different and daring to do something really slow and try to make it interesting. And I think they succeed in doing that. Um, so it is, uh, you know, as, especially if it's the first song in your album, it's a very, very daring um proposition to try do something like this now how do they make it interesting well you know first of all just the the novelness of it makes it uh interesting the novelty but um i think they make it interesting through um through production so just having really good production through having a very thespian artsy sort of vocal from ozzy where he's like almost directing a spooky play uh from the stage um but I think the main thing that keeps this interesting, well, actually, so there's the bell as well. Um, and, you know, the big Doomy riff uh, recorded very well, as I say, the production. But I think the number one thing that keeps this interesting is Bill Ward keeps it moving along with his sort of jazzy accenting uh, of things. Uh, there's a lot of symbols in here. There's a lot of big wind up sort of fills. Um so that's that's kind of cool, and it and it it picks up towards the end too. I don't want to go too much into that because that actually is a, a further category. But uh, but yeah, so technically speaking, this is like a six eighteen song. It picks up at the four thirty five mark, but that's not the big deal with this song because so much of it goes at this super slow speed. Um, but also, Sabbath is just uh, big in the origins of this anyways. Uh, you've got the likes of Hand of Doom, Iron Man. You know, there, there's your idea of, of making you focus on riff through through sheer slowness. It's, it's you know, Iron Man is there's smoke on the water, but this is a really slow one. Sweet Leaf, same sort of thing. Lord of this world, Wheel of Confusion, uh, Wheels of Confusion, sorry, um, Snowblind. Snowblind. Later on, you get to the likes of the sign of the Southern Cross. Eight minutes and it never picks up. So that's very slow. We're going to get to Ronnie uh, in a minute as well. Um, Children of the Sea that, you know, here, here again, um, you get the idea of... Um, uh, that what I found interesting about this one, and I, I played it and sort of checked it carefully. Uh, so you do have you do have a pretty interesting riff that's happening, but when you get to the chorus, nothing really changes in the speed. It just they 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 raise the intensity level, and you notice that on the song Black Sabbath as well. So you're getting you're getting a little bit of interest uh, by the the frenzied or the energetic playing. Uh, a, a level of the playing even though it stays slow so I thought that was kind of cool with that you know other early things you got the Stooges with We Will Fall it's kind of an outlier it's a real dirge uh, you know dirge equals slow as well um, you know the Beatles uh, this is a band of course that is always a band of firsts um, so the Beatles uh, always have good examples of this kind of thing um, by the way Mick Phelan gave me a, a fair bit of uh, help with this one uh, examples wise and this was one that Mick uh, brought up um, I Want You She's So Heavy but it mixes it up um, so you've got You've got a 4-4, four, four, almost BTO jazzy part to it. Um, but you also have the 3-4 super slow part where you get the um, the arpeggiated playing uh, at a very, very slow speed. So that's that's pretty interesting. And so, you know, that's the she's so heavy part. So they got the word heavy in there. And uh, and they're, they're kind of subtly equating the idea of heaviness with slowness in there as well. But the, but the interesting thing is on Abbey Road, you also have Come Together, which is considered uh, sort of a slow song as well. Well, it, well, it is a slow song. Um, and, we'll, and we'll get to this idea a little later too. But this is one where um, it's a song where not a lot is going on, so that accentuates the uh, the slowness uh, of it as well. Um, 
But yeah, what does uh, yeah Mick uh, Mick said on uh, she's so heavy? This allows the, allows the Beatles to sound heavy and thick, symphonic, almost crushing, menacing. Uh, it was uh, it was at the time, no doubt inspired by the darker elements of the Pink Floyd. It allowed the guitars to go to another place. Yeah, so that brings up a good point. Pink Floyd uh, can be very slow. You think of us and them. Um, and they and they again accentuating the slow is the fact that the playing is really laid back. There's not a lot of action events, action points. Things are clean. The drumming is not very busy. So uh, so they definitely do slow so well. Um, back to the Beatles. I'm I'm thinking of. I'm so tired. But again, you know, I I just I picked that one. It comes to mind because it's right in the title, right? I'm so tired. So slowness and tiredness um, get put together as well. Weariness, world weariness, maybe if you want to be deep about it. Um, but also another band who's, who's very big on the, uh, you know, the entry level slowness in terms of heaviness or classic rock is Led Zeppelin, right? You think of dazed and confused. So here, here's a case of them taking something that doesn't particularly have a lot of blues to it. It's got some blues to it. Obviously it's a bit of a lift as well. Um, uh, riff wise, but um, they're 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 slowly gauzily, um, you know, leading us from slow into into the idea of doom. So it's almost like an early doom song, and doom. We'll talk a little bit more uh, later as well, but you know, Black Sabbath, of course, is the band defining doom. But here's Sabbath also. Uh, here's Led Zeppelin also doing that earlier, early 1969 on Dazed and Confused. So that's an idea of slow that isn't necessarily a slow blues. Moving into slow blues with Zeppelin, you've get the, get the likes of Since I've Been Loving You, T for One later on on Presence. So um, Led Zeppelin likes a slow blues. So a slow blues is not a slow ballad. Um, so we, we we cheat and get it in here. It's still classic rock kind of thing, right? Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and what I found uh, in terms of how they make a slow blues interesting is uh, is the like of a likes of a dynamic vocal, um, you know, vocal phrasing, vocal histrionics from Robert, and also a kind of like big wind up fills from John Bonham and a really beautiful, beautiful John Bonham sound. Um, Mick Phelan also uh, mentions that um, when the levee breaks uh, is a slow song that's accentuated or made interesting by having uh, interesting drumming. Actually, I'll quote him here. How do we let you hear the thump? How do we let you hear the thump of Bonham's bass drums? We slow it right down. The blues is slow. We take it deeper, murkier, and we elevate drums to a thick groove never before captured on record. So so that's a song where where basically it's famous for the drums, but it's also slow, right? Um, yeah, 10 Years Gone, In the Light, No Quarter, uh, definitely a slow one. Um, and again, a slow one where they take a lot of things out. Uh, my categories are kind of blurring here, but that's okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's kept interesting again by performance, you know, and, and when I say performance, um, and I think of Led Zeppelin out of all these examples that we've talked about in this first category, I feel like with Led Zeppelin, they make it interesting through incredible band chemistry as well. So chemistry is a subset of performance, I would say, right? Um, Okay, let's move on to our next selection here. Uh, take a listen to this. This is ACDC with For Those About to Rock.
Okay, so the interesting thing here, this category I'm loosely calling, um, it picks up. Uh, they mix it up. The payoff. Um, you know, fire. Uh, you know, this this uh, this is a great example of this. Um, ACDC is not a stranger to these slow songs. Uh, they have the likes of The Jack and Night Prowler, Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. Um, on this album alone, you get, you get a lot of slowness all over the place. In, in fact... You know, one of our complaints as kids about this album is it was too laid back. And what's another term for laid back? Slow, right? And there were slow bits all over, and there were even mid-tempo songs that leaned towards the slow end of mid-tempo. You had your let get, uh, Let's Get It Up, Inject the Venom, Evil Walks, Break in the Rules, Spellbound. There's slow stuff kind of all over the place. And on the next one, you get Rising Power, Nervous Shakedown, um... And again, you can get a slowness uh, because of the way the drum beat is done rather than, you know, particularly slow BPMs, right? So so on a lot of these songs you get, um, or, or let's, say, let's say on these Flick of the Switch songs, perhaps more so, you get sort of a tribal drumming sort of idea where um, there's a sparseness to the drumming that makes you think slow. But just to go back to For Those About To Rock for a second, so the idea of it picking up, so... So slow songs, um, it's like ACDC is making you wait for the payoff sort of thing. So there's there's a there's a there's an apex, a climax to this song, and you know it's coming after you've heard it a few times, and it becomes a great live favorite for that reason as well. But basically, ACDC is telling you to uh, to be patient, go with us on this song, and you know there's also a tacit point they're trying to get across uh, in that. Hey, I mean, we're accused of every song sounding the same. They're one of the most extreme examples of this. We always think of Ramones and Motorhead, right, uh, as well. But, um, but you know, they're they're basically saying that that to mix it up, we'll have these various different ways to mix it up, and one of them will be to have this crazy slow idea. Um, and then they're being so bold, like a Black Sabbath, and they're putting this first track on the album, so they're daring you to hate this song, right? Um, and and you, and you sort of can't hate it. Slow, slow. Um, Slow will also give you the idea of epic, and ACDC is not a particularly epic band, but uh, when they do something like this, it's got that epicness, that regal quality, that royal quality, right? Um, so, uh, so again, um, you're you're listening to this, and eventually it picks up. Um, it essentially uh, goes into double time of the slow beat. So everything's 4-4, four, four, um, but it basically, uh, you know, they still have the same structure, but... Um, but they pick it up later, and that that gives you that jam. It's like it's like a freebird jam situation. But we're not again. We're not talking about ballads here, right? Um, you know, Saxon uh, Saxon the Eagle has landed. Same sort of thing. Uh, it goes into a double time version of what it was doing earlier. Uh, you know, we mentioned Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath picks up Megalomania by Black Sabbath. This three minutes of this slow drifting rhyme of the ancient mariner sort of thing. Uh, but then it it moves into kind of a uh, a mid pace, a faster mid pace sort of feel uh, for the rest of it. Um, you won't change me by Black Sabbath is also absence of a beat, but it's got a mid tempo chorus. So so there's different versions of it picking up. Sometimes uh, you know the rule is we're going to give you a different feel for the chorus. Um, so that's going to cause interest. So it's, you know, you might go back and forth and that's kind of cool. That's like sequencing on a radio sort of thing, right? Um, 
Swing in the Chain is an interesting one. It picks up for a jam a little later. Of course, we're still sl sticking with Sabbath here. I looked at all moving parts stand still, so that's got like two different kind of fast parts to it, but it's also got a slowness. You know, Metallica is not um, is not a stranger to slowness. Um, this is them, you know, basically giving their tip of the hot, uh, tip of the hat to Sabbath and and the idea of doom. Um, you know, you get some slowness on for whom the bell tolls. Harvester of sorrow to live is to die. Sad but true, like what a great example, you know. Basically, the Metallica album again, like the ACDC album. Um, uh, we complained that it was a little too laid back or lethargic or slow or doomy, and sad but true is is really like that. It really galumphs, right? Um, the God that failed uh, as well, right? Um, so there you go. Um, let's take a short break. And uh, I want to say that this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It is whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help better help is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and special offer to history and five songs with martin popoff listeners you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs that's better h-e-l-p.com slash five songs thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, let's move on to our third selection here, and we shall discuss. This is Max Webster with Battle Scar. Yeah. 
All right. I uh, may have played this one in one of our previous 195 episodes somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, but the category here, uh, vague category, um, but the idea, let's explore a little further on this idea of how we make slow songs interesting. Uh, busy drumming, interesting vocals, um, a lot of playing. <laughs> so, so the interesting thing about this one that, that underscores the idea of a lot of playing, it's, is, it's literally Max Webster and Rush playing together in the same room, right? So this is because there is a lot going on with all these different layers, but you know, I would say, um, having the two vocalists, so having Kim and Getty in there and having busy drumming. So having, um, having Gary and... Uh, the great Neil Peart drumming on here. And again, uh, there's the idea that we mentioned earlier about John Bonham helping to make a slow song um, uh, interesting by by starting a fill earlier in the bar sort of thing. So you can do that with slow songs because there's a lot more space. Um, I just want to say also that I generally don't like these slow songs, right? Um, you know, yeah. That's why I like the idea of this episode being a challenge on how to make these slow songs interesting and looking at how they make them interesting. Because in most cases, um, it is a challenge to to make a song hold your interest by being a slow song. But like I say, um, bands want to do this because it adds dynamics uh, to the album. It, it gives you a different song on the album, and it is a challenge for them as well. I remember Bill Ward telling me many times, and Neil Peart as well telling me, that 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 a slow song is quite difficult. Um, it's quite difficult to keep it in time. It's quite difficult to keep it interesting. Everybody's looking at you um, for that. Um, you're you're almost like the guy call uh, you know called to support that. Vocalists feel that way as well because they feel a little naked in a slow song. Um, that everybody can really hear what's going on in the vocal, and they feel that it is up to them as well. So. Um, so that happens in in uh, in these slow songs, you know. And speaking of Rush, you know, you get some slowness in Xanadu, you get some slowness in Jacob's Ladder, you get a a an absolute classic of a slow song with them by um with Tom Sawyer. And again, Neil Neil talks about how hard it is to get that song right. Um, and an interesting thing about Rush with slow songs that I find is that um it really behooves the drummer in the band um to make the song interesting and Neil really does rise to the challenge. So you can hear in a lot of their slow parts, um, go across the catalog. You'll hear, um, even though he's playing at quote unquote half time, say for some slowness, um, he's very busy on the hi-hat. He might be doing, you know, eighth notes and 16th notes and playing very fast on the hi-hat. And Tom Sawyer is a little bit of an example of that. Um, there's something even double timey, like two fisted. Um, you know, he does that as well, but, um, so yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of busyness in the drumming that helps Rush's songs, um, or slow passages, uh, be interesting. Um, yeah, so, so, um, uh, let's see, Queen Drowse. So that's another one that Mick Phelan uh, mentions. And, um, you know, I also uh, add, add to that. Um, and oddly enough, it's it's Roger Taylor singing. So here here's, a, here's an interesting idea. So you've got Drowse, Roger Taylor song. I'm in love with my car, Roger Taylor song. So it's a slow song. Uh, so he has to rise to the challenge on the drums. And he's also the vocalist. So he has to be a dynamic vocalist. That's not a problem for him. He's an amazing lead vocalist. Queen has a lot of slow stuff, though. Innuendo, same sort of thing. That's a slow one. Um, 
Also keeping it interesting from a vocal end, think of something like Nazareth, the Ballad of Hollis Brown, that crazy, crazy doom version of the Bob Dylan song on Loud and Proud. Um, so that's kept interesting through production, through uh, through the production of the guitars and the production of the drums. The drums, Daryl Sweet's drums are really big and echoey. But um, I think on that one, the challenge uh, falls and all the focus falls on Dan McCafferty and that crazy, crazy, dark, heavy vocal on that. Um, the writ... Uh, Mick mentions this one. He says, gives us a chance to really hear Ozzy's vocal. We get to hear the depth as he's given a chance to not just wail but sing uh, like we get in Changes, but we still get the muscle and heavy musicality. Also, it allows the band to create an atmosphere and pursue uh, progressive elements. Prog doesn't uh, work at breakneck speed. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting point. Again, uh, what I find uh, most interesting about the writ is it is very simple, but again, it's all down to Ozzy. It's down to him singing really high and having... A good vocal melody uh, that he's sticking on that one as well. Um, all right, let's play our fourth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Deal with Lock Up the Wolves. Okay, our idea here is uh, the category is bands that do a lot of slow songs. So obviously there was, there was Sabbath, but uh, very disconcerting to me. And as you can hear in this song, it's pretty darn boring, right? Um, Dio, Ronnie really got a predilection later on in life for a lot of slowness. So Lock Up the Wolves is slow. Uh, Angry Machines uh, is slow. Um, Strange Highways is slow. Uh, uh, Master of the Moon is slow. Magica is slow. So all of his later albums have a lot of slow stuff on here. And I asked him once about it, um, probably more than once because I was needling him on it somewhat because I, I'm just not a big fan, right? Um, so uh, he says that it's uh, it's more interesting for him to sing over a slow song. Uh, he's got more choices to make uh, on a fast song. Uh, he's basically locked into doing a certain thing, so he feels restricted on a fast song. Um, so yeah, I think he really feels that it allows him to emote, and he always liked Doom. He always liked Sabbath. Um, like I say, go back to uh, Heaven and Hell and um, Mob Rules, and you get a lot of slow stuff on there. Country Girl's a slow song as well, right? Um so also in this category of bands that do a lot of slow songs. So this is where, you know, this opens up. If you love the idea of slow, heavy songs, there is entire two or three genres and subgenres to this. Um, you know, a beautiful example of this early on uh, that, that really dated, dedicated themselves to slow songs is My Dying Bride. And to a lesser extent, part of that same uh, British doom uh, scene at the time in the mid-90s, Paradise Lost, but definitely My Dying Bride. They loved the idea of this. So slowness moves into the idea of, of you know, drone, uh, doom, you know, major uh, extreme doom. Typo Negative loved their slow stuff as well. And with them, you almost wonder if it's a little bit of uh, of them just trying to be so anti-commercial and cranky and contrarian with what they're doing, right? Um, uh, you know, sleep. Uh, you know, the the whole the whole sub doom theme from the old days, and we'll get to the new stuff. But Saint Saint Vitus, trouble. 
Cathedral, they love their slow stuff. Uh, there's one album of theirs that really slows down, and it's not very interesting. I can't remember which one it is. Candlemas loves their slow stuff. You know, Trouble, again, Trouble's a perfect example where my favorite Trouble stuff is the up-tempo stuff. Uh, it's all doom, but the up-tempo stuff I, I like and the slow stuff I get bored of. So maybe they don't rise to the challenge of the slow ones uh, as much as you would want to. Um but yeah, I looked at uh, I looked at a few other lists on the internet. LA Weekly had a nice one, a list of the five slowest heavy metal bands. They went with Yob, Esoteric, Kanade, Moss, and Monarch. Uh, you could also, you know, some classics are, are the likes of Earth and Boris and Sun-O, of course. Um, Grave Steeple, Nadja. Uh, a Reddit post mentions the likes of Ahab, Winter, Year of No Light, Neurosis. I remember in the mid-90s, late-90s, you know, you know, arguing the the great, huge importance of neurosis and, you know, slow uh, leans to texture and things like that as well. So that was a big one that was always treated seriously. Swallow the Sun. Um, uh, let's see. Wind Hand. Um, Harvey Milk, Elder, Sub Rosa. I Hate God and Crowbar. So you're going back to the old days there as well. Crowbar loved their slow doom. You know, slow. We didn't even say the word stoner yet. Um, so so stoner rock, uh, doom, drone, it all goes together. But you add that stoner thing to it and you really, uh, you know, lean to slow slowness, right? Bong Ripper, Cult of Luna, Isis, Grey Machine. Um, so there you go. That category was bands that do a lot of slow songs. And like I say, there's whole genres of that. Let's move to our fifth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Scorpions with Animal Magnetism. All right, so a loose category here for our last one. Um, interesting guitar riff, I suppose, that that helps make a, uh, a slow song. So this is the first one that came to mind. Um, Scorpions doesn't do slow a lot, um, but I found it, it pretty interesting. This was a pretty um, experimental song on on what is a pretty mainstreamy metal album title track of animal magnetism interesting that it is the title track because this is really slow really atmospheric not much going on not much to the lyric not much to the singing uh, it's very sparse singing but um it does have this uh this riff that is actually played quickly over a very slow beat and it's also very egypto jimmy page richie blackmore kind of cool thing as well um but you know these guys also have china white which is a similar idea of a riff making the song interesting and that takes us over to to cashmere right um you you think of uh bands who are doing like a fairly note dense uh or or uh you know a quantity of chord changes that is that is maybe perhaps um you know a little bit of a nod to sabbath the likes of a queen with son and daughter white man aerosmith round and rounds very sabbathy so these are slow songs that have you know a, a fairly circular going places chord changes um speaking of going places uh the likes of uh black dog right by led zeppelin which is um which is, you know, the funny thing is it's uh, it's got a very slow slow beat to it. Um, and then Jimmy is just going all over the place on it. So he's he's the guy making this song interesting. It's also got stop and start stuff. And stopping, you know, the idea of stopping, right? And Robert sings. It's a famous one of that. The idea of stopping is the, uh, is the extreme example of slow, right? Stop. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, 
you know, and I also feel Saxon Eagle has landed, which I mentioned before, um, also has a fairly complicated, interesting riff. Uh, United, uh, good, uh, good chord changes, uh, Judas Priest, but not so much heavy duty. Um, so yeah, and, uh, and yeah, animal magnetism, the, the punctuation of, you know, the big chords, um, in that one and also the dive bomb. So they have to do things to keep it interesting. It's a six minute song, right? Um, Mick mentions God of Thunder by Kiss. So he says, we heard the demo, which is great, but to let the God of Thunder come to life to speak and breathe, we need it slowed down. The molten bedrock must be laid down in order for Gene's metamorphosis to take place. So, uh, so yeah, that's one where, um, it's not particularly slow, but it's Sabbathy and it's tribal. So it's got that caveman thing that slows things down, right? And speaking of the whole caveman thing, um, you know, I feel like Bachman Turner Overdrive does a good job of this, of, of being sparse on the drums, but pretty slow, but really not much going on. So you're feeling a slowness that might not come directly from speed. It's coming from inactivity, right? Loitering you know, the loitering idea, right? Um, you know, and again, um, I, I think you feel that in something like a Van Halen, every, uh, everybody wants some where you've got, where you've got that tribal pattern during, during the, uh, the, the, the singing, uh, of, of, you know, what stands for, uh, for vocals, right. Or, or lyrics, right. Um, so again, you get not much going on, uh, even though it's not particularly by definition slow, uh, the lack of a proper drum beat makes it sound slow, right? Um, and and you think of the stop-start thing in Romeo Delight. That's a fast song, but it's got stopping again, which is the extreme definition of slow. Queen, We Will Rock You, right? Uh, it is slow, but again, it's sparse. There's not much going on. And even on that sparseness, something like ACDC Dirty Deeds, not particularly slow, but it sounds slow when he's singing. But when, you know, when the chorus, even though it's the same speed... Um, Sounds faster, uh, but but basically it's it's the contrast in not much going on uh, in in the drumming. So uh, so there you go. That's our episode. I just want to mention a couple of quick things. Um, I really like this thing uh, Nathaniel Noah did on the Facebook page. It was really cool where he did the history of the headbang and he and he laid out all these lyrics. Go look at that on the Facebook page. It's really cool. So he I, you know and and I said to him, hey, the the better work you do on this sort of thing, um, the less we need me to do an episode on it. And he he basically uh, did a cool mini read, a go- cool history of um, of the uh, of the headbang. Uh, so check that out on the Facebook. William Walker did a kind of a cool thing too recently. He did he did a list of his contrarian views, and they're so contrarian that I I barely agreed with any of them. And other guys were were giving him heck as well, saying no, none none of this. But it was kind of funny that he put his put his neck out there like that. He he called me the great contrarian, I, and I keep saying you know we have a show called the Contrarians, but I'm not really that contrarian all the time, and I don't I don't do it by rule. If I do, it's honestly I believe in something. So so that was that. Um, and and one last thing I want to mention, um, Mick Phelan also mentioned that. Um, you know, based on the last episode or a comment on the last episode about paying your dues. I thought it was interesting when he said, um, uh, that was a great babble. I think this is one of those topics where the bands mentioned that didn't pay their dues would strongly disagree. And I noticed that I got some pushback, even some from fans, uh, from some fans, uh, looking at this, um, 
you know, getting getting their backs up about, oh, bands didn't pay their dues or whatever. Uh, you know, it's fortunate when you don't have to pay your dues. It's a happy story. And yeah, every everybody thinks they worked really hard at certain things. But the whole idea of that episode was was trying to lay out places where eh, you'd be in the bottom quartile or the bottom third of how many dues you had to pay. You know, people mentioned King's X. I'm not even sure I mentioned them in the episode. But think of a band like that, 20 albums or whatever, paying your their dues, never got big, never had a gold record. People love them but you know they still never got huge so talk about paying your dues they even had a long history before them so there's a lot of there there's a lot of that as well but but yeah it is interesting that you know everybody thinking of their own situation no one would think they didn't pay their dues so i thought that was a cool comment by mick so uh if you like this show and want to support future episodes please go to kofi rhymes with nofi.com slash martin popoff hit that red support uh, button and buy me a coffee or a pint this week i would like to thank joe Beck, blues biscuits david fisher james mikalef uh very generous take a take a long break uh there james thank you very much um uh augustin garcia de Prades, mick phelan uh steve Polari, and daryl woodard thank you all very much uh you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs um the pictures and stuff like that uh, martinpopoff.ca uh, or art pal just look at my gallery there of all this art uh that I've been, I, I've been kind of slow lately. Uh, long story. There's a, there's there's some other things I have to draw. It's it's kind of for the follow up to the Flaming Telepaths book, so I have to work on that uh, as well. But uh, yeah, and books. Um, I'll have the Floyd back. Just be patient. I'll have the Floyd back in May. Uh, but right now, the the one doing great guns is the ACDC at fifty. So uh, so check that out at the website. Uh, and the Damned book, of course, that's uh, that's still around as well. So that's all martinpopoff.com. So uh, thanks again. Uh, go play some slow songs. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.